Alrighty, gents. Good evening and welcome to another episode, number 68 of the Racing Line podcast. Um, still early days in 2023, still a lot of previewing. Um, and this episode is also no surprise in that regard. But um, one thing that has happened this week on the pod uh, is that we've kind of decided to streamline our intentions a little bit, tried to streamline our content just to kind of hit on what people seem to be liking and to kind of chop away some of the things that aren't getting the traction they deserve. So um, trim the fat. Yeah, trim the fat. So um, for 2023, Racing Line podcast is going to focus solely on Formula One and V8 supercars because uh, that seemed to be what the uh, traction points were for the podcast. We probably need a new background then for the next pod, um, but staying true to that, change tonight is all about supercars uh and if anyone has been looking at any of the supercars socials or any of the team socials over the last week and a half two weeks it's been lighting up with new liveries it's been lighting up with some initial tests that the teams have been running over the last fortnight or so um we're down to one or two more liveries to be revealed tonight in sydney was the launch of um the 2023 season so, and we've got the test coming up as well in the next two days. So as far as supercars are concerned, you know, there's been a lot of conjecture about whether the cars were even going to hit the track in um, in Newcastle, whether they were going to be, you know, ready to go racing, whether they were going to be reliable. I mean, with all the testing and that that's happened already, things are looking pretty good. Um, so let's just jump straight into it, boys. And I think the place we have to start because human beings eat with their eyes um is aesthetics and um we've been privy to some pretty nice liveries over the last fortnight in supercar land um so harry and joe let me throw this to you liveries 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 what do we like what don't we like how does it excite you for 2023 i'm gonna gonna go off on on a limb and say um i think in general, I would say a lot of the liveries have been safe. I think there's a few standout ones I've, I've really enjoyed. Come on, you've got to a- start with the excitement. Which ones do you love? Give me All the right, standout okay. ones. Let's go standout. Standout ones. Walking chores, I think, look great. I want to give a shout-out to Matt Stone Racing. I think it looks uh, awesome with its orange. I think the Team 18s look pretty good. And I think from the front, the Triple Eight car looks phenomenal. Um, I think there's been a few of, I think I like the, um, one of the Brad Jones racing cars, the, the, uh, uh, Jack Smith car for the racing stripes. I think that looks really mean. Yeah. You've been talking a lot like about I, racing stripes this week, Joe. I feel, I feel <laughs> like, I, I feel like the shape of these cars like is, is what we've been waiting for. Mm. I just think a lot, I think a lot of, the, I, I think a lot of the liveries, haven't utilized the shape of the cars to their fullest potential. But I feel like when I look at the walk and chore, and I'm biased, but I'm trying not to be biased, I think that is one of the um, sort of smartest liveries that's come out. It's a Mustang that has racing stripes. It's also celebrating, I think, 30 years with mobile ones. They've gone back to the all white car in, in commemoration of that. Um, and I think because the car is white, the silver rims look really, really mm. clean on that as well. 
Mm. Uh, I have to the say, other thing it's is hard to beat. Like it's that that livery looks good. That livery objectively is is classy. I think as well. Like a lot of the cars look better when when you see them in um, in pictures on the track. Whereas they sometimes the profile looks a little bit strange when it's just on like a white background or on mm. you know a stage. Uh, but like realistically, when I when I see the cars, I'm excited to see them racing on uh, on track in anger. I think a lot of the cars have really cleaned up um, their look for the start of this new generation. That's definitely, I think, a positive. Let me throw to you, Harry. What do you like? What don't you like? Uh, favorite one uh, again, maybe a little bias is the uh, Chaz Mostert Walkinshaw. That just that. That teal on the white, I think they did it masterstroke with the white instead of the black base. I think it looks so much better. I do like um, Bryce Forward's Midi's electrical car. I just love that color. I, I That was one of my favorite ones last year as well. Shout out to DJR. They went out in a limb and did something different. <laughs> Jokes. <laughs> <laughs> they did something different. They put they put some yellow on the um, on the skirts. Um, I will say the Red Bull testing livery they had was that that's that's number that's number one for me. That one they, is epic. they had a video. They I don't know if it was them or maybe it was Speed Cafe, but Speed Cafe did a video of their test day in that livery, and like I was watching it, and I swear, like if they had have kept that livery for the season, it would not have looked out of place. It would have looked. Awesome, like it's a it's a tidy tidy livery that test livery. But you you can if you look have you, the picture of that new car from the front. Yeah, I've seen the it. Red, the red, if the red line mm. really does look neat. I've I'm a I'm a massive fan of that. I think I don't mind that livery of, at all. Like I don't mind the whole no, livery. I've, like there's a bit of red the, for the super cheap throughout. The fact it, that they've got rid of the white and brought red mm. on instead, I think, looks really good. Yeah, I was going to say it I'm, looks better than last year's one by the thing far. I'm not sure of is that big red signage on the back. Uh, for the ampole, I think they could have just neatened up the shape of it. But I'm sort of nitpicking. Um, there's no bad looking cars. That's the thing. But there was not many wowers. I will say I don't like. I was. I said it in our chat this morning. I don't like Monster Energy cars. I just think they look shit. But that Kim Waters car looks a lot better than last year. And I don't know about you, but do you think it's because the cars are actually in proportion this year and they look? I reckon Waters car was one of the better looking Mustangs from yesteryear as well because it was so black. It actually hid a lot of the elongations about it. Mm. But when I look at it this year as well, particularly like I'm a black rims kind of guy. Um, I think that car looks mean. Like I, I'm, I think if you've got all these car, colorful cars with, there aren't many black rims this year. And I don't know if that's going to change before the season starts. I hope it does for a few of them. Um, but that car looks literally like, you know, a dark horse, like a physical, you know, night rider. Um, no, right. And it is a Mustang. The, the backgrounds that Tickford use on their pictures don't um, don't allow you to look, see the cars in their best light. They're very so dark, aren't dark they? Dark and green. I'm just like, man, I want to see, I want to see some shape and some real color. Mm. I was a bit, I think I was a little bit underwhelmed just, I, and I think it was due to the fact that I couldn't see the shapes and then i think there was one thing i noticed as well because that whole car is black but the grill section of that mustang is so neat you don't actually see the the sort of nice curvature in that sort of nose that's section why i like black car i feel like that car yeah. looked, from the front view actually looked mm. anyway 
I think it looks hot. Um, yeah, the argument could be made. They could do a little bit more. I mean, like a green grill on a on yeah, a Monster, on a Monster energy, car, energy car, like something like that. Like Ken Block's done that a few times and he's done it pretty successfully. So, which I'm pretty sure Cam's had it on his car before, green grill. Back, I think it was his first year. Like his first year with Monster, they had a bit more color than just the black. They had a bit of gray and the you know on it as well. Um, but you know, for the longest time, I guess if it's not broke, you don't need to fix it. And if Monster's fit, fitting the bill for that whole car, and I'm sure they are, um, and I'm sure Cam's getting paid handsomely for his services and as the ambassadorship of Monster. I don't think, I don't think they want much to change because if you look at their Indy car. Um, teams, if you look at any team that is, you know, primarily sponsored by Monster, um, they're not giving you a whole lot of creative license with it. Um, but I think it works well. All right, aesthetics aesthetics aside, let's talk get, get into something a little bit more meaningful. And I think the place to start, and I mentioned it earlier in the introduction as well, is kind of the conjecture from t- from a lot of people, from teams, from drivers, from uh, skeptics, you know, people, racing fans who, I don't know, for use of a better phrase, you know, wanted to see not Gen 3 fail, but kind of had a vested interest in seeing it struggle. Um, but there was a lot of conjecture about whether Gen 3 would be ready for, you know, our season, uh, you know, the start of the season, whether it need, the season would need to be pushed back, whether there'd be supply issues, getting engines, getting spare parts, etc. But from what it seems, every car now, every team has had multiple shakedowns. Um, for the most part, um, things have gone pretty well. There was a sensor issue for a few teams early on in the tests that, you know, pretty much was came about because one of the, can't remember what it was. It might have been a reservoir was emptying without, it might have been, a res- I can't exactly remember what it was, but there was an element of the car that didn't have a sensor, fluid was draining out of it. Um, and because it didn't have a sensor, the the feed that the driver was getting wasn't accurate, but it's since then been rectified. So, Joe, you know, what do you make of the whole timeline of events? You know, happy, not happy? It's worked pretty well, I think. I don't think. I think when um, I think uh, everyone should have a vested interest in seeing this sort of Gen Three. Um, package come together and I, I can't I can't sort of uh, get my head around a lot of the negativity that's been surrounding it I mean when when the when the older generation Mustang came in there was um, you know we all knew that it was sort of a placeholder for when uh, we would sort of get a change to the to the um, like a bigger change to the category and it's been pushed back as well due to COVID um, there there definitely are things that still need to be sorted out. Like I know that teams, uh, that the Ford teams aren't happy with the parity. I know that the Chevy teams are saying there's nothing like the parity is really good. And that's, you know, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's the things I expect sort of those teams to be saying. In terms get, of, that'll get rectified by the test, but yeah, but like, like realistically, you're always going to say that mm. um, if you're one of those teams or another, because you just want to get the best breaks you can. Um, for your, you know, for your team, hmm. what the the things are more, um, sort of, I think have been a bit more distasteful. Is a lot of the negative press surrounding, like sort of the rush, and it, it's a very, it's been a very sort of hard couple of years for 
you know, anyone manufacturing anything anywhere in the world. So for these teams to sort of get these designs out, you know, have engines that are running smoothly, yeah, there's going to be hiccups, but by and large, it's been a, a pretty successful sort of rollout period, even though they've probably been burning the candle at both ends. Mm. And then to see these cars on track, hear them on track, see them actually circul- circulating, for me, it's just sort of given me like just so much ex- like excitement to s- actually see these things racing in anger. Whether they're, you know, they're, gonna, they're definitely not going to be running at 100% first race of the season, but what category is running at 100%? You know, in in the first year of a, of a of a drastic rule change, we've got to they've got to learn about these new engines. Like there was one thing I heard; it was um, uh, Brad Jones was saying we, our cars, like a lot of cars, have been getting stuck out on track, not for any faults, but because teams are just running them to the end to see when it, when the light goes off, how much fuel is actually in the system and how far they can get. Mm. Like so, teams are doing a lot of stuff like that. So to make stories about cars stopping on track, I've sort of sort of dismissed them. Like, all right, these are just hiccups and gremlins. Um, seeing all the cars on track and doing, you know, relative what you relatively what you would expect them to do is a massive achievement for all the teams. Mm. You know, we've got teams, we've got these cars coming off the production line so quickly, so late in the sort of in in the um so there's the whole, uh, the whole design yeah, process. Timeline, design process, all yeah. done. And they've come out. They've looked fantastic. They're all rolling on the um, on the track. There's not, there's nothing not to be excited about. Do you think? I'm, I'm so jacked. Or do you think early? Like, do you think this year in particular, like a team like Tickford that has four cars? Like, I mean, every one of their drivers, I think, at this point, did was able to do an 100 lap shakedown over the last week. You reckon a team like that that has got four teams, obviously logistically. It's going to be more intense for them sharing the workload this year, and and you don't have the luxury of, you know, consolidating your top, you know, all your you know, brain power for use of a better phase into two cars. But do you think this year, where you, there is still so much searching for knowledge and kind of being able to experiment and and push those boundaries and see where those boundaries lie, do you think for a season like this, you know, some of those bigger teams, Tickford? Brad Jones um, could see some advantage. Like, obviously, there's a disadvantage in the scope of their um, their platform as well. But could there be an advantage this year, just in the collection of information? I, I'm not sure. I think realistically, at a time like now, when there's so little information available, having a bigger team would probably help a lot. The thing I'm interested to see, though, is the four teams are supposed to be sharing a lot of information under this board racing banner. Now, I, I would expect initially that's going to be very, uh, it's going that's going to be even more open. Um, so I don't know how, like, how much that's going to pay off. Like, do you, do I think um, having four cars, but two of them that are really competitive and two of them that usually aren't, is going to help you that much? Like. It remains to be seen, but I don't think it can't. I don't think it can't help. I just don't think there's enough information out there to really know at the moment. Fair enough. Well, let's move into this then. So we've had um, team. We've got team teams launching tonight. The season launching tonight. We've got testing in two days. I think it is. Um, 
from your point of view, what's a successful test for these teams? I mean, what kind of things should they be looking for? Um, like from from my point of view, I think the fact that so much running has taken place, like by, I mean, I, I don't want to say smaller teams, but, you know, you see the teams like MSR, like Premier getting out last week and, and, and doing their shakedowns as well. For the most part, to see all of these teams, the big teams and the smaller teams, um, kind of work through their shakedowns with relative levels of success. Are we moving into, you know, a time in the season where, I mean, you obviously said they're not going to be at 100% already, but I think we're at a point where we're getting close to 100% before the season starts. And it wouldn't surprise me if by the time we get to Newcastle that, you know, while we might not or teams might not have a full picture understanding of the setup window for their car with the knowledge that they have they'll be running at you know a hundred percent of what they know do you have any ideas about that h oh look i think it's the first year is going to be a fact-finding mission essentially i think it's the same in every category like we saw formula one last year one team hit the ground running or two teams and then everyone else was playing catch-up so I think Triple Eight will come out of the gun, out of the gate, all guns blazing in Newcastle. But who's well, this to say? was another. This was another thing. So one thing that was really interesting at the end of last year was that a lot of teams, um, Team Eighteen, um, Erebus do it anyway. But a lot of the teams that are customers from other teams decided to take their car builds in house for the reason of. Um, wanting to know how to put the cars together, what exactly was that constituted the cars to have by the time the season came around to have a bit of advantage. And I think it was Charlie Schwerkoff that said, you know, like we can, we can buy the car from H um, from triple eight. We've done it before. Um, but we've seen issues with like um, power steering that we're the only team that's having because we don't actually understand the, the whole package that we've got. So a decision was made this year to kind of take the car build uh, internal to do, uh, to do it within their own factory so that a lot of the mechanics and engineers would have that greater level of understanding for the car, how it goes together and the intricacies of it just to kind of get, you know, maybe not even to have an advantage, but just not to have a disadvantage to those teams that are putting it together for everyone. Do you I think that's, sort of, Yeah. Do you think that's enough time for those smaller teams to have that infrastructure in place and have that knowledge in place moving forward for this season? Well, they've or- done it. Well, they've done like they're, they're all their cars are, are out there and and got ready to go. I think the thing that's made it a little bit easier for them is number one, they've got no, they've got no um, necessity to have like an engine team anymore because all the engines are are specs so that minimizes some of the workload that they have to kind of deal with maintaining the engine and all that kind of caper. Um, and number two, a lot of the parts are the vast, all of them uh, are spec now as well. So essentially if you know how to put the Meccano together and pull it apart and, you know, prep it and maintain it, etc., cetera, um, it's not, it's not so much an engineering role anymore as much as it is a maintenance kind of thing. So I think that's made it, the jobs for a lot of the teams a lot easier, particularly the smaller teams, and it might be giving them 
maybe not an advantage, but I think it brings the field closer together because all of a sudden, hopefully, with the the decrease in importance for the arms race, essentially, to get an engineering advantage through spending money um, and through being able to put more money into more parts that you don't have to worry about failure and fatigue that some smaller teams with less money might have to worry about. Um, it might just bring the back of the field closer to the front. So I think, I think with the nature of the G, the gen three formula, it's probably given a lot of those smaller teams more time to do it themselves. And the other reality is with the, the um, kind of the lack of requirement for engineering now in order to keep your, workforce doing things and not have to kind of descale you can get them to get involved in some of these new uh, avenues of maintenance and and building etc so that you can keep the workforce um, but you know redistribute them to different roles do you do you think at the pointy end that makes any changes we see more cars challenging for wins well i think firstly at the pointy end i think we're going to find more competitive Super two cars, um, just because without wanting to lose talent, you might have redistribute some of it to super two and to the super two efforts so that you don't lose your workforce. But I think, from in relation to making it more competitive, yeah, I do. Um, although I don't know if the disparity between the top teams in supercar, like talking about the top four, maybe five, those being, um, Triple Eight, Dick Johnson, Walkinshaw, Tickford, maybe Erebus. I think Erebus and Grove are still kind of half a tier behind. But let's just say the top four. I don't know if the differences between those teams was based on kind of finances. I think it was just based on competence. Um, because for whatever reason, you you know, you had the teams like for the most part, Triple Eight and Penske that always had a car that was in the window, maybe not last year, but before that, they always had a car that was in the window every weekend. And you had, you know, Tickford and and Walkinshaw that, you know, 40% of the I year think, were kind of out thing, of the window and had to make the most of, of the rounds they had. I think one thing that you're overstating is when you're talking about these cars being in and out of windows, like one thing that is very important is that at the moment, no windows exist. So like, that last year, yeah, no, but like, like re- relating teams to last year, like when you talk about Grove, mm. all you can say about Grove is now they are a very well funded team mm. with a very good leadership team involved. They've got two people now from who have um, massive experience from the Triple Eight stable. You've yep. got Couchy and you've got McPherson. McPherson's left Warpinshaw. Um, like all the teams are on a level playing field in the fact that they're taking these new cars that have never been tested except on shakedowns to a variety of different tracks. And I think what's going to be very apparent this year is that you're going to have teams that are going to be like set up in a good ballpark for some tracks and probably they'll just get there and try something that will, that will seem to be competitive and other teams will try something else that doesn't. And um, there'll be like... a I feel like we'll see sort of like the whole um, like the pecking order of the grid change between uh, race to race a lot more frequently this year because some teams will hit, some teams will miss, some teams will try something that will have, 
you know, a massive difference in performance. And this is like, this is before teams start having like years of data that we're going to these races with mi- like minutes of data, not even years on, and, and like no minutes on different tracks. We've got a new tire compound that no one's tested before. We're going to have temperatures that these tires are going to race on and tracks that these cars haven't raced on if drivers that haven't raced these cars on these tracks, like all these yeah. factors comp- compound on each other. Like yeah. I fully understand what you're saying and I hundred percent agree with it, but I do think that, you know, you can, we can like the formula is completely new um, and that makes it a level playing field for everyone. But at the same time, like it's kind of the, the same conversation we had last year about Ferrari and their failure to perform in some scenarios. You've got teams on the grid, particularly those top four that, you know, we're talking about who for the most part, um, you know, maybe Walkinshaw's a little bit um, newer to the party in their recent history than the other three that have won big races that have been competitive and dominant at different points over the last five, 10 years have won championships. And I think that even with the new formula, if there's teams that are going to um, make the jump faster, it's probably going to be the same teams because they've got the most talented drivers, arguably because they've got the most talented engineers behind them. Like we're talking about, you know, these engineers at, at, at um, Grove, yes, that, you know, we already saw that they became a lot more consistent last year, but they've got a rookie driver and they've got a driver who, for whatever reason, is as hot and cold as any driver in, on, you know, that, that races. And um, so I do think that, yes, while there is the even playing field and we will see definitely anomalies and shifting in the grid, I think when push comes to shove, like we saw in Formula One last year, those big teams, the cream of the of the field, are probably going to you know rise to the top sooner than everyone else, just because they've also got the understanding of, um, you know, having to make something from a weekend and having the pressure to kind of you know pull something out of a bag. You know, we, we talk about Mostert, you talk about Waters, you talk about Van Gitsbergen when they kind of flunk up his car, you know, once or twice a year. All these blokes, um, you know, maybe even Will Davidson did it last year, probably more than Deep Pasquale. But all these guys are, you know, seasoned veterans. And and if you've got, if you need them to pull a cat out of a bag, they're probably the ones that are going to do it more than anyone else in the field. Hence why they're occupying. I do think big. I do. Positions. I think those. I think those drivers you mentioned. One thing that they all have in common is that they can sort of drive around car problems and uh, make a difference. Mm. And I, I'm interested to see if any other drivers can join that group. Like with this new platform that's coming, it does seem like it's a much more driver-focused championship and driver-focused car now. Um, I definitely expect to see those ones at the front just because of their nature. I just want to see if there's another driver, that, that another couple of drivers who can actually um, – sort of join that group. There's like, for me, like, I think Brody Kostecki has been, has been, and Feeney have been probably the two from last year who I've seen the most from. Um, and I would say probably Brody more than, than Feeney last year. Cause he's, he always seems to um, be willing to, you know, um, put that car in places where other people don't sort of get sometimes a result. too willing, but I think his yeah, eagerness like that, is think, also sometimes I think that's a weakness. That's really a part of, I think, learning and coming of age. And I'm pretty sure there's going to be some 
not harsh words, but definitely words between t- between teams at the start of the year about, hey, like, you know, there isn't much spares going around at the moment. You know, turnarounds for cars is going to be longer because we don't understand that these cars half as well as, as, well as we used to. Um, and especially going, going to a street circuit for race one is going to be a very interesting proposition for all track. these drivers. Do, uh, do you so think... Yeah, sorry. That's right. Keep going. Do you think, all 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 good and willing, that those top four teams, maybe a fifth, I don't know, are on a similar playing field, quite level? Do you think Anton can join those other three that we always talk about? Do you think he has the consistency? Because we know he can pull out the results, but he hasn't been consistent in the past, right? I don't know if I would classify Anton as one of the drivers yet who drives beyond his car. I mean, I think when the car is good, he's great. When the car is out of its window, he kind of just kind of gets lost in the midfield a little bit or behind those guys. Um, you know, whereas Mostert, Waters, if their car's out of the window, they can pull it to a f- between a third and a sixth. Um, Anton, I think, between a sixth and a tenth. Van Gisbergen, Van Gisbergen is the cream of the crop. He can still pull it to a second or a third. Um, that's how I, I, think, I think what we sort of expect from Anton though is that with the last generation of cars, when Scotty Mack left, you would expect that Dick Johnson had all the sort of data that they needed to build strong weekends for pretty much every round of the championship. Mm. And where, whereas you see Walkinshaw and Tickford definitely had tracks that they were better and worse at, you'd always expect them to go to these tracks and, struggle a bit you never really expected that from uh dick johnson or the, the dick johnson team so to, to then see them having such up down weekends like in relation to that team i think that's why we sort of either we've heaped a lot of pressure on him to perform but you would expect that with the sort of backlog of championship data that team has the platform for him to then build off every weekend would be a lot stronger. Whereas now we're going back to everyone sort of at base camp. Um, so it's going to be interesting, interesting to see. Even from last year, when was that? Like from Dick Johnson's point of view, when from the team's point of view, I mean, he was meant to be the next gun for the team. And then they had a stable person like Will Davidson come in and kind of probably contribute to the team's championship in very similar to the Fabian Coulthard role that, that he played when Mac, Scotty Mack was doing his thing. But, I mean, for them, and you know, all credit to Will Davidson, but he was by far the more consistent driver last year for them in qualifying and in the race and, you know, just had less peaks and valleys. So I think that was a big surprise for the team. And I think you know, there's, you know, anyone who's looking at that team has to question um, the measure of the man a little bit because in every other one of those teams that we're talking about, those drivers, those aces, Mostert, Waters, Van Gisbergen, um, you know, I, I can count on one hand when I think Waters might have lost to his teammates once last year without having a DNF. But do, do you think DJR were so strong because McLaughlin was so good? Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, did he, did, he, did he make up for the deficiencies in the team like we're saying the other three do? Um. Um, yeah, that's definitely part of it. I mean, you've got someone like McLaughlin or Van Gitsbergen and they they do, it's undoubtable that they 
elevate the car that they're driving to, you know, some realistically unattainable level for most drivers. And I'll, I'll give them that. But when you think about how successful that car was, when you think about the quality that they've got in in the engineering, and obviously here, Ludo, Lacroix, so if there's, you know, Ludo's done it with, you know, Triple Eight with, um, uh, what's his name? He was with Lowndes, right, Ludo? Yeah. yeah. He's done it with Lowndes. He's done it with Scotty. Um, he knows how to set up a car. So, so yes, he doesn't have to be at the level of McLaughlin, um, but I don't even think he was at the level of those other people that we're talking about realistically. I don't, I still can't understand. And um, like, I'm not trying to be like dramatic, but I don't know how him in a um, DJR losing to McLaughlin, uh, to Waters in a Tickford, that was kind of up and down all year. Like realistically, they had some great races. He's a great qualifier. We know that he's got the one lap pace, but his the, the race pace for that team was it was all over the place. It was probably the, the out of the four teams, it was the worst one. Um, for him to for Waters to come second, and for him not to kind of you know be there, and just to come third. Yeah, I don't. Same I, don't yeah, I struggle. Yeah. I, I struggle. Yeah, exactly. For exactly the same. We're talking about the same thing. You know, good qualifiers, great races, but the the consistency that of the car setup week in and week out for those two teams was not there. Um, and for I, th- I, th- I for think not as well, to be like- there, it's 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 very it's bizarre. I, I actually don't know what to make of it right yet, but I, I want to see a little bit more from him this year. Although I feel like by halfway in the season, I'll have a pretty good. I'll be pretty happy to kind of swing a hammer. I think as no, I, I, I don't. I well, think not not swing a hammer like getting fired, but like to make a like to kind of speak my mind about it. Uh, you, you've made your point. Like you've been rambling for a couple of minutes. Um, I I think, <laughs> um, like I think realistically, what you're trying to say is like the most of those drivers last year had a weekend where you thought, okay, like they're like we're always being reminded, you know, why there's something special. I think. With Chaz, it was that race up at the top end when he had these tyres that were four or five, like that he 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 um, pitted so early and he was able to hold off. Funny enough, De Pasquale to the race win. Um, on I the just last think back couple, to couple. I think back to Bathurst when it was Cam Chaz chasing Van Gisberg and like those last twenty laps, or whatever it was. That was epic. But it was always those three pretty much through the whole year. Most yeah. most rake it weekends, a give and take, a few where Tickford had a few bad ones and Walkinshaw did, but you always knew that it was going to come down to sort of races between them. Um, whereas Anton, I, I think he, he's had a few good qualifyings and had a few good races, but he's he, you've never sort of seen like, you've maybe seen like one or two good weekends and then there's always something that sort of minuses all that good work he's done. And, and I, I don't think I'm, I'm not as worried about him as Ant is because I do think... He's not that far off, but I, I like between like him and Nick Perker, they're the two this year that when I look at them, I go, okay, you guys had like have had subpar years, yeah, and like this is a year to sort of that you have to perform, or there there definitely could be heads on the chopping block Uh, because there's a lot of like there's a lot of young drivers coming through at the moment as well now, whereas you don't want to sort of be sitting around waiting. 
waiting for someone to sort of get there and then you miss you know you miss on the next chance so it is going to be interesting year for for those drivers where there's a little bit more pressure as well with um you know learning a new car all right next next point of conversation i think this is going to be a good one so gen 3 took a long time coming right but it has very quickly gone from an idea to a reality over the last we can say 24 months but realistically with the manufacturing side of it <laughs> 9 months yeah realistically manufacturing side probably last Eight weeks, but in terms of engines, yeah, not a okay, year. So let's just say nine months. Let's average it out. So it's happened very quickly at the end due to COVID, due to whatever, a long time to get the rules finalised, etc. But is that can the, can that be like if you're a, another manufacturer that wants to come in, can that actually be a case study where you say, you know, what, if we want to go racing, like with the rules being as they are, if we got an engine that is essentially going to get BOP'd anyway. Um, you know, we could be racing within two years of deciding to do it um, because it's been done now. Uh, we've seen that it's been done successfully very quickly when you look at the amount of laps that have already been put on the board by these, you know, new generation cars. So if you're a new team that might want to come into the series, all of a sudden it's not an idea. You've got cars on the track. They look fantastic. That You can definitely see the brand relevance to well, Mustang in particular, because it's a current car. Um, if you're another one of those manufacturers and you kind of get through half the season, it's looking good and you kind of say, well, we're interested, but now we've, we're ready to commit. Could we see, you know, new cars on the grid by 2025 even? I think it's really going to come down to what we get as a product. Um, if the racing's as good as, you know, where it's not. It, 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 it's what it wants to be at and it, and every sort of race we're not seeing like sort of you know we're seeing that there's a you know both cars are very competitive and we've been able to BOP the engines to a, like a, a real good place and the air is at a real real good place that it doesn't matter what you're driving that's going to be the biggest selling point for other manufacturers they're going to have faith that the category can do what it's saying it can do if the category if there's one car that seems to be performing better than the others and the category takes a long time to sort of get get them to a place where they're even it's not going to encourage another manufacturer to come in at all i think one thing that i'm not too worried about this time is i don't i'm not really <laughs> i'm not disappointed if another manufacturer doesn't come in because one thing we do know is that the the category can be supported with the tribalism with tribalism of two manufacturers would i love to see another one in there 100 percent, i would but only thing that me, concerns me is that you've got one of the cars that isn't actively being marketed anymore so you've got the chevy camaro that's well and good for the you know we can talk about tribalism but if you're trying to sell a product that is based on brand relevance and 50 percent of the brand relevance is not relevant and you're not actively pursuing more relevance, well, then all it takes is for Chevy to not want to be involved in anymore, and then you actually do have a dilemma. Yeah, but I, but I think the fact that the Chevy Camaro isn't in production, I think, after next year isn't It's already problem. not in production. 
No, they, I think they're having one more year of special edition ones coming out. But I don't think like that's the problem because it's like you see the way that um, General Motors as a company is investing in motorsport. You see them investing in a GT3 program. You see them investing money in Cadillac in a endurance program. You see them wanting to get into Formula One. There's definitely going to be a car in the General Motors stable that is going to attack the market that the Mustang car is attacking. There's no way there's, there, there's going to be a void. You All know? Right, right now, it's right too, now, it's too, yeah. this is going to be a hot video for YouTube. Right now, two current cars, road cars, that by 2025 could be on the supercars grid. No time to think about it. Harry, go. Stinger. Kia Stinger. Yep. Yep. And maybe the Volkswagen Art Arteron or whatever it's called. I can't think of the actual that name. Sedan. sedan. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Volkswagen. Volkswagen's in or well, the group itself is investing quite mm. heavily in motorsport as well. So they're just off the top of my head. Yeah. All right, Joe, tell me two. Um, I I still think one that would probably find the most relevant is a manuf- like is a company like BMW. They've got a lot of sort of sports shapes that you can choose from, uh, whether or not they want to, it's going to be like a wholehearted investment or they're going to need to p- piggyback another team's like expertise as well. M3 maybe? M3, M4. I, I don't know. I don't know all the names of all the, all, all the shapes, but I know there'd be a shape that would fit. Same thing with like Audi. Audi always have like a, a, a relatively low s- sedan involved as well. So well, ones like that I would like. I would like to see, I would love to see the, the, a Chrysler SRT. Well, they could car. literally put that car into the category without having to worry about an engine and it would purely be a design and aerodynamic what, the um, Chrysler? test for them to get into this. If they wanted to run the same engine. It's a GM engine, rebadge it no, as a Chrysler not. engine. Chrysler's not GM. Chrysler's Fiat. Isn't Chrysler they, GM? No, Chrysler's Fiat. That's ignorant, man. That's ignorant of me. I know. You just literally made us sound like the well, biggest. Chrysler is GM. No, they're Fiat. No, they're part of the Fiat Chrysler. Jeep, 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 Chrysler, yeah. Fiat. They're all one group. They don't run a. They don't run a. They don't run an LSA. They have a Hemi. They've got the best mm. sounding muscle engine on the planet. I, I always thought that Chrysler was under the GM banner. There you go. Ig, ig, ignoramus, mate. Ignoramus. Mm. I would love. To, I would love to see one of those cars on the grid, though. I think it would be pretty easy. Like, but Camry. Camry, I don't, I don't know. If t- you know, I was. I've, I was give, I've given up Toyota. on Toyota. I don't, I don't. I don't think it's not going to be the Camry, but they have a new Supra coming out, which yeah. would be roughly the same size as the new as the Mustang. Yeah. So I could see them. You reckon? Yeah. yeah. The Supra. The Supra. The, the would be Mustang much, is not a big, not a big big. It's not a big car, and I think you could the very Supra is easily. Than I thought. Pardon. The Supra is bigger than I thought it was. Yeah, and also the their. Like the new Supra that's coming out is being um, modeled, uh, like they're a version of it's being made for Super GT. And I think in Australia, coming up against the Mustang more so than the Camaro, that would be very brand relevant. Guys, the Toyota, what, pardon? One that, I th- one that I think would be an absolute slim dunk. Can I finish my point? Is, is a Nissan 400Z. This is what you do to me all the time. I just wanted to let but you know. I just want to say like. Toyota could very easily jump into it because they've got an engine that is run in NASCAR that they could kind of throw into Australia, get it re, 
get it BOP'd for our requirements and very quickly you've got a, a model that's relevant, you've got a chassis that you're not worrying about, you've got an engine. I don't think Toyota are interested in going supercar racing, unfortunately. I think interested in NASCAR racing. Yeah, but then they are, but that's a, such racing. a massive market. I think that's I think that's a, a much more important market to be involved in because like that's a that's a market where they're probably not top dog, whereas here they're top dog already. They know that. They don't need to go supercars racing to, to reaffirm that. And I think if they needed to, they would have done it already. If like, there was I one, think I think there a, was the one, Nissan four hundred Z. If there was one manufacturer that that you that even like from supercars perspective that you wanted that you would want to bring in that could potentially run a V six engine against a V eight and get more people talking about V sixes and hopefully bringing in some of those other V six dominated manufacturers then i mean if i was um supercars i would be begging toyota to come in and kind of you know i'd be doing everything i can to to make it as appetizing for them as possible just purely so that you've got a flagship are you are you you saying this because you read the article this week that they released that they they've got no intentions at all of joining supercars anytime and uh i didn't say that article why yeah i think it came out yesterday there was toyota said this yeah, they, they said that they have no interest at, at the given time of bringing any of their cars into the supercar group like, category. Maybe that's um, their way of getting... Which is totally on brand for them. Mm. Oh, I thought it was a good idea. The other one that I thought would be very easy to do to be bring the Jaguars um, ZF in. Jaguars Dude, kind you of... Could, you, could even, you could even do a... They su- could run a Ford engine like it's the Ford company. They could do a Subaru WRX. You could do a WRX. You could do a Nissan 400Z. Like there's definitely enough bot- car bodies out there that you could do it with. It's all about like, do the companies want to bring that money? And, and, and I think as well, another important thing is you don't want to do it half-heartedly. If you're going to do this, you need to bring at least, you know, uh, you need the manufacturer four, support. Four to, you, know, you know, four to six cars, which is probably three teams at once to do it properly. If you're looking at what Ford and what Chevy are doing. That's I think one thing that's important as well. I don't know. I, don't, I, I haven't heard nothing. I think it's going to be a sort of a, like it, the test is on supercars to prove that this new idea is a winner. And I think if it's a winner, you might, you might get sniffs. What are you laughing at? <laughs> someone, just sent, <laughs> someone just sent me a reel of a guy doing a squat and then his pants blow out when he gets to the bottom of his squat. <laughs> You're a dickhead. Anyway, so that's going to be a good. I think that'll be a good, um, a good little section for YouTube. But you got to give it some clickbaity name. The six team, yeah. six manufacturers signed up for supercars in 2025 or something. Supercars. Super you got to lie. Those clickbait lies are the ones that get the best. Um, you know what though? Don't you always? Don't you always feel shitty after you get baited? Yeah. But you know what? I, I also know. Hate it. I also know that when I read it, I'm like, "This is gonna bait me," and I know it's not. I know it's not the story I think it is, but I still look at it just in case. And then it's like, "Ah, you got me again." You yeah. know what? I, you, you know what? I always get. I always get baited on on just Arsenal details. hate videos. So I always want to hear what people are saying, like doubting us. And then um, I always get mad. And then I, then they literally say, like, in the first minute and a half of the video. Sorry for the clickbait title. I'm just like, ah, now I've got to watch the whole video. 
<laughs> what were you going to say, H? I was going to say the race are pretty good at the clickbait title. Yeah, all oh, of those dude. big media, like all the big media now that on YouTube, they all they all have the clickbait titles that well, are as. I've learned. I guess, you know what? It's part well. of the game now. It's actually if just put it's a, not called. It's just marketing. If you put a question mark or an exclamation mark at the end of it, it stops it being a statement or makes it into a question or just mm. like a. It's not clickbait. Uh, oh yeah. Yes, yeah, it's, it's not clickbait. Not misleading. It's, it's just a question. Oh, it's misleading, but it's not a lie. Mm. It's not an outright lie. So we just have to make sure we put questions. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Any more? Any more points about supercars for tonight? I think. I think we're going to get more. A lot more questions and a lot more clarity after the tests. After the test day, like I think we're definitely going to at least see how close the parity is, or how much work is still needed to get to you know where people want it to be. From from what I hear, Ford is not happy with the parity in terms of the engine, but also the aero. The lap times are definitely like how do they really that, know? That, yet? See, that's that's the thing. Like I know that I know that Tickford were doing a lot of tests with um, Erebus, um, number one to kind of see what parts were interchangeable, and number two maybe for a bit of that um kind of parity determination, for use of a better phrase. So, like, there's a, probably a bit coming from there. Um, I just definitely think, but like. On this test day, we're going to get some high, like some proper high speed runs in. And if it's skewed one side, you're going to know very quickly, like what that that work needs to be done. And if it seems to be a decent spread, then we'll know that at least we're on the right path. I don't think we're going to be perfect till probably mid. I don't think we might be perfect till the end of the year, but at least I'd say by mid year, you're going to have a decent amount of parity. Like they were able to address the old Mustangs um, parity issue, yeah. or the, the Commodore's parity issues that Mustang. They predicted that relatively pretty quickly. quickly. So I think we could definitely see um, at least some some quick measures put in place to fix it up. And the other thing, hopefully, with the nature of how the engines are now understood by and kind of... Um, Calibrated, I think, can't remember who it's by. Um, but I think maybe there'll be quick measures as well to to balance those performances too. Um, so hopefully it's not an issue. But we've got tests, we've got um even I mean, even like after getting some Friday practice running in at Newcastle, I wouldn't be opposed to slight tweaks. I mean, obviously there is sandbagging that does take place in some BOP categories before qualifying. Um but even if they were to make a decision after qualifying, so it would affect some people, obviously, but you make a decision after everyone's had a proper good go at it for the first time. Um, and then you kind of get a real ballpark, you know, number for, you know, where an average, I guess, for where the different cars are based. So be interesting. Um, but I think it's going to be, interesting it's gonna be awesome. Day. Like I can't, I can't wait for, I can't wait for Newcastle. I can't wait to get a bit more information from the tests. I can't wait for these last two liveries to come out as well. I mean, these new cars look amazing. I think as far as Australian fans are concerned, supercars is it's on a winning trajectory. Um, and I think, you know, for everybody's sake, we hope that it's and we believe that it's going to be a real success. So I don't I don't think I we say wait. it enough, but we should give supercars props for like delivering a what they believe is a, a package that the fans have asked for. 
You know, the fans have asked to keep V8 engines. They've done it. They've asked for, you know, awesome muscle cars with less downforce. They've done it. Yeah, not everyone's going to be happy. Some people don't seem to be happy because they, it's, it's a purpose-built race car now, not a, you know, a road-derived race car. You can't appease everyone. You know, some people aren't happy that Warp and Show have gone to Ford, but they're not the team. You know, they're not the fans fitting the bill. You don't just, you know, there's, you know, a lot of disgruntled people in the world that you can't really let their voices detract from the hype. I think that is building. Um, how how can you hate that Walkinshaw's gone to Ford when you look at that car? Regardless, oh. regardless of regardless of as if you're disappointed or not, I think that the reasons that they've given are valid reasons and yeah you don't have to be happy about it but to, to act like it's been some like some drastic slight against you is just childish and um, camaro is not a holden anyway realistically like yeah, all I, just, done. I think i think the fans that want to love the sport and want and want to see it succeed will will always be there and the ones who like want to complain were complaining about other things already you know it's just it's just going to be complaining about something else and then you know what they'll fix up whatever they're complaining about and there'll be something else to complain about so mm. i think the uh, sort of the main thing is just to keep your eyes on the positives you know that yeah we, regardless of how it looks in the first race weekend you know there's a clear vision of of delivering the racing that the fans have been asking for for a couple of years now and that should be commended that at least you know, mm. like the effort has been made to give the fans what they have asked for and what they are saying they want to put their money to. I'm and pretty, I'm pretty optimistic. We're going to see a great product, and if that does come about, and the product is there, and you know, hypothetically, if we were to get more manufacturers in the sport, then anyone who's hating is hating. You know, just hating for the fact of hating. Just exactly hating for the sake of it. Hating out of stubbornness. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty pumped for this new era. Um, I think, you know, the proof will be in the pudding. Time will tell. Um, but regardless, everything that they've done up to this point makes a lot of sense mentally. Makes a lot of sense when you kind of just consider the state of the sport. So you know, hopefully, logic prevails and um, and we get we get what we're all hoping for. Um, and if they're just the the optics of the new car is anything to go by based on what we had in the past, um, with the bastardized Mustang and the kind of <laughs> hatchback Holden with the huge rear wing that kind of sat 30 or 300 mil off the back of it. Um, That's the Ford. And the Holden. The Holden had a the huge Ford's rear wing. Yeah, the Ford was worse, but like the Holden was still bastardized. Let's not get it mistaken it was better it was definitely better hidden but it wasn't no the holden the holden is it was a good looking race car the ford regardless supercars is on the up boys can't wait for it and everyone again thank you so much for listening um hopefully we'll be bringing you a lot more supercars content this year i mean it's definitely something that you know we've realized last year was in demand people were interested in it people were reacting to it so that's you know from our point of view we're really impressed with that we really want to make sure that we keep bringing out relevant supercars content for you um great robust discussions and some depth of thought thought that you might not find in other places particularly when you know we know where where um chrysler you know comes from 
Um, so again, thank you so much for listening to the pod. Thank you um, for you know all your support. Again, I would just like to ask if you can continue to like, subscribe, and share. Um, and we'll bring you another pod next week, hopefully with a little bit of a review of um, a bit of Drive to Survive. So thanks so much, guys. Have a great night. Thanks, boys. Thanks, mate. Awesome, mate. Thanks, mate.